Oh, g'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Monday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB. Welcome back to me. Um, I'm sure you missed me terribly last week. You've been pining for me. Well, here I am, and we're going to talk about how uh, political correctness is ruining productivity in this country. It might also be ruining our DHBs if they could, if you can ruin something that's already ruined. Uh, the petrol price situation. Nothing to see here. And uh, what are we spending our money on this Christmas? But before any of that, ah, Chris Farfoy. No, no, we've, we've noticed what's going on there. So in essence, the accusation is accurate. It's just they're trying to wiggle their way out of the punishment. If there had been a mistake, for example, and reportage of the facts were wrong. If he had a story that held up that represented something other than what we had heard Thursday night, he might have had his reputation intact. As it turns out, he doesn't. And I'm sad about that. As I said last week, I know Chris from TV Days and like everyone else, who knows him, he's liked. And he is unquestionably talented, and he's been the sole shining light in that Labour cabinet, having been justifiably promoted earlier on in the year. Maybe that's the bit that saved him, of course. Maybe the Prime Minister looked around the room, saw the old stalwarts like uh, Robertson and Parker, solid professionals quietly keeping their noses clean and getting on with the job. Then she looked at the rest of them and breathed out a sigh of knowing despair. <sighs> what a bunch of amateurs, she thought. So Farfoy gets saved because he's good in a room full of numpties. But it still doesn't address the cabinet manual, which was indisputably breached. And here's the thing that's damaging. The cabinet manual is open to a level of interpretation. Not by us, read it, for goodness sake, it's black and white. But when it's breached or broken, what's to be done is the bit that's open to the leader of the day to interpret. Maybe if Jacinda had never promised to be the most open, honest and transparent government ever, this wouldn't be as bad. Maybe if Fightery or Curran or Lees Galloway or Jones or Twyford had never happened, it wouldn't be so bad, but they did, and they have. They seem to have no shame. Their standards aren't standards at all. They're a grouping of amateur excuse makers who hope you don't care or you'll forget. It's such a shame because good government leads from the top. It sets the agenda, the outlook, the expectation and the standards. The message we get from their indiscretions, broken promises and breaches of rules tells us anything goes, it's as loose as, and their greatest talent is gall. Uh, so we might come back to more of Farfoy's problems shortly, but before we do, uh, everybody's problems. Uh, productivity. Why aren't we produ- uh, productive enough? Is it because we're just too PC and we're trying to hire the right people instead of the right people? Somebody called Morgan Godfrey, who was a trade unionist, surely one of the greatest handbrakes to productivity ever, lamented that the party had missed the opportunity to elect the first Maori president in 50 years. And so, in one small example, all that is wrong with getting on with the job. You can argue having a vote for a job isn't the smartest thing you can do if you actually want the best person for the job, but then neither is arguing on gender or race, and yet we seem increasingly obsessed with it. All the while forgetting that race and gender have nothing to do with expertise or experience or skill or productivity. Why was electing a Maori president important other than to tick a perceived box? Where in Morgan's mind did talent fit? Or wasn't that important? And that sadly is how these debates descend. At the start of this particular obsession, it was women. Of course, women needed to be hired and promoted and elected. Indeed, the fact Claire Zabo is a woman seems to have passed everyone by. And not just that, but she replaced an old white guy from England. So glass half full, surely in advance. But no, the woke have moved on from gender. It's all about race now. Got to have a Maori. Of course, the jackpot would have been a female Maori who was actually able to advance the party beyond the catastrophic mess they'd found themselves in, hence the reason they'd had the vote in the first place. In appointing people to tasks, the simplest of rules, sadly long since forgotten, should still apply. Are they the best person?
person for the job? If you're not asking that question, and if that question isn't at the top of the list every time you ask, you've been hijacked into a world where productivity is going to suffer if not hurt you. Ah, uh, yes, another classic case of the Hosk uh, riding that thin line between uh, racism and telling it like it is. Not quite sure which side he landed on there. Let's see if he gets it right uh, with this next one. Never better displayed than over the weekend by the Health Minister, David Clark, who's appointed new chairs to 13 of the 19 DHBs. There are 20 DHBs, of course, but one's run, one is run by a commissioner. So 13 of the 19 have got new chairs. There are four Maori chairs. Uh, almost half of the appointed board members are women. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but what I suggested, if you missed it at the beginning of the program, is not, is not the you shouldn't be going around going, hey, look what I've done. I've just appointed half of them are women. It's not the point. What you should be doing is saying every single one of them I've appointed is the best person for the job. Are the women appointed the best people for the job? Are the Maoris appointed the best person for the job? If they are, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Because what I know about DHBs in this country, they're a disaster. Uh, the health system is a mess. And I think even David Clark agrees with me because he launched his now infamous three-year undoubtedly to be extended review of DHBs. There are, and here are the numbers, this is the madness of this, there are 11 members of every DHB board, 11 times under normal circumstances 20. Do the math. Hundreds, literally hundreds of people just sitting around doing God knows what, and not a single one of us would sit here this morning and go, you know what? That health system, that's running like a well-oiled machine. Not a single one of us would say that. Now, I did say that we might come back to Chris Farfoy. Apparently, he's in charge of the price of petrol or something, or finding out if there's anything wrong with it. Turns out there might not actually be anything wrong with it. Zed noted that its percentage of retail fuel sales on discount had increased from 75% to about 90%. So, in other words, virtually everything they sell is already on discount. And if you take the latest of the article, if you take the latest retail petrol margin data, this is from MB. They estimate a regular petrol margin of about 25 cents a litre, which is consistent with Z Energy's estimates at the end of September of 2019. So the government is suggesting or have us believe that petrol retailers shouldn't be making any money at all because Z Energy reported about 7% return on capital, which is down from 12% in 2017. So it's gone from 12 to 7. And is this a government that's opposed to any industry making a reasonable return on the assets? If so, asks the article, then should all industries be looking over their shoulder under the current regime, which is exactly what we've said on the program for months now. And so if you want to look at petrol and find the problems they've found in petrol, not that they've found any, but they've tried desperately to find some, uh, do you find the same issues in the supermarkets or the building companies or anyone who operates or the telcos or the airlines or anybody who operates in a small marketplace, i.e. New Zealand, with a limited number of players. And so the petrol company's been singled out for no other reason than the Prime Minister woke up one morning and came up with a one-liner about being fleeced and the rest is history. Of course, there is one thing wrong with the price of petrol. It's, it's too high. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like there's anything we could do about it. God damn it. Maybe that's what we're spending our $950 on. All the ins and the outs. It's The Biz on the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB. A little more insight into our Christmas spending habits for you this morning. New research from Accenture NZ shows that we're looking to spend a little bit over $950 each for the festive season. That's each and every person, $950, which outranks the Australians. Interestingly enough, they plan to spend $720. 36% of us put the groceries as the biggest cost. Well, they would be, wouldn't they? Followed by gift buying and disposable income. Uh, more than happy to splurge. Well over 70% of us will be buying premium brands. 
for the Christmas celebration, whatever that means, whatever a premium brand is. That's what we're um, buying, 70% of us, over 70% of us. Uh, what type of gifts are we buying? Well, we're buying clothes, and we're buying footwear, and we're buying gift cards. Told you. Told you. The voucher's back. Get a voucher. If in doubt, get a voucher. And when you buy them a voucher, you are giving them everything they could ever have wanted because you're giving them exactly what they want. Well, like be, better still, get them a Prezi card. Prezi card, good? Because uh, that's like the that's even less. That's the gift that says even less than a voucher does. Does it really? It's oh. it's it's like not only do I not really care enough about you to personalise a present for you, I don't even care enough about you to find out what it actually is that is the kind of thing that you want. So here's basically just some money to go out and spend. Well, that's my thing though. Money's good. Money's. You open up a little card and inside there's the money. As a child. When Nana and Granddad gave you the card, you knew money was coming, right? As a child, you knew it. And you knew it was more than most other people because Nana and Granddad were soft like that. And you loved that as a child, didn't you? You thought, this is going to be the gift. How much is it going to be? Oh, I'm so excited well, about see that, And that's why this goes to a whole new level because your Prezi card is now, it's not just money. It's money that you can then go and spend online. So yeah. so it's, it's like giving a kid a credit card. Exactly. So now they can buy... Um, alcohol, <laughs> they can subscribe to porn Vaping, sites, cigarettes. It's awesome. It's going to be fantastic. It's, you're basically opening the whole world to them. But this is my point. When you were a kid, when Nana and Granddad's card was coming, and you were excited about that, that was about that. Why don't you want to relive your childhood? Why don't you want to open another card as an adult and go, oh, money, or oh, a card, or, or a present card, or a gift voucher? It's all good. Yep, just send money. I mean, I don't mean to me. Oh, you can. Uh, Look up the address. It's easy to find. Uh, is that, am I not allowed to say? I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm not allowed to say that. Oh, finishing the podcast by saying something I'm not allowed to say. No change there. Uh, that was the rewrap for Monday. I am Glenn ZB. We'll see you back here again tomorrow.